You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to the huddle. It's Thursday, joined by Corey, as always. Hi, Corey. What's up? I want to give a big thank you to, we're slowly growing here, and I'm, I'm able to see very little information, but I can see who's watching from where. Not who's watching, but from where, like a general, a city, okay, or a country. Republic of North Korea. We've gotten there. That's South Korea, not North Korea. North Korea is probably not allowed to listen to podcasts. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go. Canada, Australia, Belgium, and Silicon Valley, by the way. We've got some regular listeners in Silicon Valley. I, I think it's one or two. It's not very many, but I see you out there in California. Yeah, I hope they're, I think it'd be cool if they're listening to this. That'd be cool. Yeah, we'd like to joke that it was Microsoft. And the reason we joked that it was Microsoft is because the day that I saw Silicon Valley, a, a city near that area pop up, um, we had like 300 listens that day. Yeah, it was weird. Well, I knew it was fake, Corey. There was no doubt in my mind because it went from like a very normal number to a magnitude of that. Mm-hmm. Come to find out a Russia listen showed up and I'm pretty sure that a Russian bot was like click and play and play. Yeah, they're play trying play. to get us, trying to get those votes. Anyway, Canada, Australia, Belgium, South Korea. Didn't see that one coming, but we appreciate you. <laughs> if you were listening just before the Super Bowl episode, we did prop bets. It was a best bet, best bet of the week. The whole episode was best bets of the week. Corey and I went through a list of prop bets and Although I didn't actually write down the official score, I know that I got like nine points out of, it might have well as been a hundred. How many's on the sheet? There's 25 questions. Well, I got nine right, Corey. I did really, really poorly. I keep looking at this. I keep wondering how I got 69 points and then I realized somebody wrote that in as a score and I think, it's not a real score. I think you wrote down 69. I think it was me. I don't know why I did that. It's not possible. You beat me, though. I deserve a pie in the face. It's coming my way. And we might do five shots of whiskey, too. I like that. Uh, I'm, fireball. I'm, I'm fireball really whiskey. concerned about the 69 because I'm not a 69 joke guy, and I just don't understand why I wrote it there. You might not have. It's my handwriting. Okay. Then it was you. I'm really concerned. But what I get, like 14, right? You got a bunch, right? I need to tally them up because you probably won in the work pool, too. Uh, that's beside the point. Corey won the best bets of the week segment where we had a pie in the face on the line. That's what we ultimately decided on via paper, scissors, rock. So we have been working diligently with discord and Twitch to figure out the best way to, to move into video. There's going to be a video of me getting pied in the face to pay off my bet. Let's not forget about that. Corey, this is the time of the year that's slow and that's brutal though. To me, I mean, we're in the, I mentioned the desert last week. I think we're in the desert of football season. There's just not a lot to get your hands around. And of course there's news and talk and gossip, but it really is a slow time of year. The combine's a couple weeks away. Free agency opens in March, March 18th. And the draft is in April. So it's not like we have to deal with this for very long, but we're kind of caught in a Super Bowl hangover period here. Luckily, there's a new league though. XFL. I've got something to distract me. According to the Sports Business Journal, everybody knows the XFL opened. They had week one this previous Sunday. 
According to Sports Business Journal, the XFL drew an average audience of 3.3 million viewers. That's a lot of people. That's a bunch of people. Is that per game? That was an average. So, yeah, per game, essentially. Okay. Per, per day, I guess. Okay. It would be per day. Interesting. With the, I think the Saturday game was better than the Sunday game, but that's not the point. All four games. Well, here's what's interesting to me, though. Is people showed up to the game. It wasn't just turning on TV to see about this XFL thing. Yeah. All four of the XFL games announced a crowd of more than 17,000 people. Did you see what the biggest was? No. Okay. 18,000. One of them was over 18,000. Okay. Yeah, 17,000 is pretty big. That's a NBA stadium. But they pack. paid for it, Corey. Here's the thing. The cheapest ticket to that Defenders Dragons game was $130 on the secondary market. So like uh, StubHub and you know all those other all those places where it's not direct from from the game, you know, from the yeah. team. That's not you think it's because people were like, "Hey, if this league becomes a big thing, I want to be at the first game." Like do you think that had anything to do with it? I don't know, maybe. I hope not. I'm afraid of that. Yeah, I'm a little afraid of that. I'm afraid that there was nothing going on. It's the first game of a new league. I'd like to be at that game. Yeah, I guess I'm afraid of that. I like this league, though. I'm really interested in no, what- it. It looks good, and they're smart because the AAF, or whatever it was called, they were doing it in like the middle of the... They were doing it in the middle of the NFL season, which is hard to do. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, they picked the worst possible time, I think, to do it. And But what's more interesting to me, though, is the the support that the XFL has. Pat McAfee's on the sideline. Uh, Troy Aikman was out there being interviewed at yeah. one point. I mean, they've got some pretty tremendous support. ESPN, was the AAF on ESPN? I don't think so. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's looking more like it has more legitimacy. I hate it to say looks, that. It looks more like football than the AAF did. The AAF kind of looked like a Division Two football game like uh, college football well a little more but you know you know what i'm saying it's just not as like there well was put something together. about the aaf that i was excited about the aaf man i liked that but i guess i just like football so i was i don't know man i i, I know what you're saying i kind of am towing the line i'm lucky i've got i think i'm gonna have an aaf player on the show and I, so i don't want to like i don't want us to get too far down the yeah, hole. Yeah. I don't I, want to I think, disrespect it. No, no, I think the football was fine. I think the XFL just has a better production. It looks more like what we're used to seeing. And what I'm saying is okay. about the college football is when you turn it on, it just didn't have that I don't know. It wasn't a, they didn't I understand. It, now I understand it. And I and I agree with you. I yeah. I definitely agree with that. It does have a better production and I think it has better better support. I started this con Yeah, I mean that that <laughs> I, I agree with you. I'm not trying to tell you to shut up about it or anything. The rules were interesting, though. Yeah. I thought the kickoffs were crazy. I mean, like, in a good way. I loved the kickoffs. I thought I would hate the kickoffs because we're bastardizing the kickoff. I mean, we're taking away yeah. part of the game. But so in the XFL, the receiving team lines up on the 30-yard line. The kicking team, everybody lines up on the 35 except for the punter and or the kicker, I guess. And so there's no, like, run as fast as you can 50 yards and smash into another person hoping to knock them off their cleats. It's it's way more interesting than that. Everybody just stands there until the receiver catches the ball. That's when it all happens. Yeah, it looks weird, but it, it makes sense. It, it looks fun, though. Yeah. I think it looks like a lot of fun. Do you not... 
I mean, I don't. I haven't seen enough of them. You know, it, it'll be interesting when that first one breaks for a touchdown. But they're going to break. That's what's going to happen. Is yeah. we're going to see a lot more actual punt returns where you just have to get past the thirty-five yard line, really, and yeah. then you have to. And then it's a foot race. Well, and I think it gives. I think it gives the receiving team a little more strategy. They can scheme like blocking schemes if they want to. Like they could say, "Hey, let this guy run past, and we're all going to push this way." And they can. It's like an offensive line essentially. Another. Another part of that punt return that I liked so much, people haven't talked about this as much, but there's some real strategy from the kickers too. Listen to this. If the ball's kicked into the end zone, it's downed as a major touchback, and the ball goes all the way to the 35-yard line. But if the ball bounces in bounds and then out and then into the end zone or is down in the end zone, it goes to the 15-yard line. Yeah. So those all those kicks, there was a big punt that ended up not being it ended up being a touchback. I think because the ball just barely t- I don't remember exactly what happened, but Pat McAfee lost his shit over this thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. It, it was like down at the one and the guy just like tackles it into the end zone. At the time, well yeah, some laziness I think is what, what allowed that ball in there. But at the time I didn't know this rule. And now it's even more like now it's even more fascinating to pin a ball down at the one yard line because if you touch the one yard line first, it's not thirty five, it's fifteen. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think sure. there's strategy on both sides. Anyway, thank God for the XFL because in the slowest time of the season, we have football to watch. What's your I didn't ask you, what's your favorite rule? Did you have one? Um I I need to do a little more. Do they have, if they have the fourth and 15 instead of a kickoff or instead of an onside kick at the end of the game, that's my favorite rule, but we, we didn't really dig in and find that out. No, we didn't dig into that. I feel like, say that again. So instead of an onside kick, because onside kicks suck, you you get the ball at your own 35 yard line, you get a fourth and 15. Yeah. I don't know enough about it, man. I got to learn more. Yeah. Um, I think you only have to have one foot down. For reception, kind of like college, they have a lot of college rules. Yeah, yeah, I've got the rule, rule book in front of me, and I'll I'll read over it this afternoon. I should have read over it this morning. Oh well, this afternoon will work. Thank God for the XFL. That's the point, because that is the slowest time of the season. But the combine is just a couple of weeks away. It's hosted here in Indianapolis. I think this is the last year on. There's a contract for Indianapolis to host the combine. I think this is the last year of that. It'll be renegotiated. Honestly, I expect it to go to Las Vegas. I don't know. I don't know that it will. I don't know that it won't, but it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I'd love it for it to stay. Speaking of Indianapolis, was that a beautiful segue or what? That was perfect. I want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. We haven't done that yet. No, we've we've been very, trying to be as unbiased as possible. I try so hard. And we're both huge Colts fans. You're a season ticket holder. I'm wearing Colts gear and basically any day off. I love the Colts, no matter how good or bad they are. But yeah. So let's talk about the Colts. Indianapolis's team. It's our team. The Combine. Remember the segue, how perfect that was? Yeah. I love the system that Indianapolis has built. Over and over and over again. I've talked about how important consistency is for me, from general management to coaching staff to players all the way down to the water boy. I mean, I really think that everybody's got to be on the same page or else things just go wrong. I love the system that Frank Wright and Greg Ballard have installed. They seem to work together and Greg Ballard is really 
brilliant, I think. Like, he's done a really good job with veteran free agents, although Frank Gore and Andre Johnson didn't quite work out for us. Well, those weren't his signings. Those are Grigson. Oh, those were Grigson? Yep. There was a lot of other stuff there, too. It was a bad offensive line a couple of years. Yeah, no, he's he's made the team what it is. What's good about this team right now is created by Chris Ballard. I like that he signs older veteran free agents for not a ton of money, players who can help the locker room, players who understand how to read a playbook and can help teach younger players, and then he drafts good talent. I love the way that he drafts. As much as I hate not having a 2019 draft pick, the first round draft pick, I really appreciate it now when I look at the depth that's available here. I mean, the defense has been completely turned around, and Quentin Nelson's still on the team. Yep. So, yeah, I love the way that Greg Ballard has has acquired the personnel, and I like what Frank Wright's doing with the personnel. Having said that, there's some really obvious holes. The biggest hole would be left by Andrew Luck's retirement. Because Jacoby Brissett is not exactly Andrew Luck. <laughs> no. I mean, really, we were talking about Indianapolis as Super Bowl favorites. We were not. The industry was talking about Indianapolis as a Super Bowl favorite, and then Andrew Luck retires, and... Obviously, here we are. Yeah, that was rough. Um, I know we were both... Man, we were on the Jacoby train when that happened. We were like, you know what? Andy's gone. F him. Jacoby's our guy. And we were real excited. And for the first six, seven weeks of the season, uh, he had the stats like Pat Mahomes. He was up there. Colts were 5-2, five 5-3. and two, five and, three. Um, and then the injury plague hit. And then it all kind of fell off. Uh, so he's gotten some flack here recently. Do I think he's our future? I don't think so. I think you can definitely upgrade that position, but I think with the right team around him, he's a capable winner. Outside of the quarterback position, and by the way, i got to hold you accountable to this. You just you just compared Jacoby Brissett to Mahomes. Why did you do that? Well, because had, Jacoby had a better stat line than him through five, like the first five weeks of the season. Okay. Other than the quarterback position, what other needs must be addressed this offseason to go back to relevance. Well, uh, yeah, the quarterback's big. Well, <sighs> and you can talk about the quarterback. Yeah. I don't mean to, to box you out of that. Yeah, go yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the quarterback for a second. I mean, you got to look at the at the options out there. If you're going to, there's you have two options, obviously. You can go free agency or trade for somebody, or you can do it in the draft. But you got to look at the options out there, and you know if you go sign somebody like Tom Brady at this point in his career, is he that big of an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett? I mean, you get we 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 were talking about Chris Ballard. A lot of fans get frustrated with him because he won't make any big splashes. I called him Greg Ballard. Yeah, you kept calling him Greg Ballard. I keep call, that was a previous mayor of Indianapolis. <laughs> it's like fixed in my brain. Yeah, yeah. It's not Greg Ballard. I know that. I'm so sorry. It's Chris yeah, Ballard. Yeah, Chris Ballard. But a lot of fans get frustrated because he won't make any big splashes. He's going to pay a player what he's worth, and if they want a penny over that, then he says, all right, I'll see you later. And by the way, the next time I do some stupid shit like call Chris Ballard, Greg Ballard, you better call me out for it. All right, I will. <laughs> so... I mean, a guy like Brady, they, people have been talking about maybe him coming to the Colts. I don't think the money he's going to want, Bauer's not going to pay him. Um, a guy that does make a lot of sense is Phillip Rivers. You go after him in free agency if you sign him for a year or two, and if he doesn't you know, demand a bunch of money, I think that's an upgrade over Jacoby. You know, he's He had a rough last season, but I think he's still got that potential, and he, 
Indy's got an O line, and the Chargers didn't. Yeah. And then it's, it's the draft, but we got to think in the draft is Ballard sticks to his board. So let's say at 13, Tua falls. Tua falls, but on the draft board, you've got, just for example, maybe just a safety that you have rated higher than Tua. He's going to take the safety. Well, yeah, that I was confused for a second. And yeah, yeah, he takes the best player available. Period. He he won't break from it. Yeah. It's just the best player on the board available. Now, for a quarterback, I could see that changing, but if you're a Colts fan expecting a quarterback in this draft, I think you're going to be really disappointed. Um, One player that nobody's really talked about, if the Colts can make a move in the draft, they've got a lot of capital. I've got the picks pulled up here. The Colts have nine picks, four of those in the first three rounds. I think you get a combo of those picks and trade for Matt Stafford. Oh, I like that. And Stafford's been in the league a while. He's a very productive quarterback. He hasn't won a lot, but he's also on the Detroit Lions. I really like it. How old Stafford? 32. How old was Luck? 29. So we're not missing much there. 27, 29. Yeah. I would be, I'm worried about Stafford. So before I get like off on something here, his back injury freaks me out big time. It's it's been persistent. I'm concerned about it. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's the end of Matt Stafford, but I'm it's something that I'm very concerned about. So the contract is going to be important, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, no, and like I said, if if Stafford wants stupid money and Bauer doesn't think he's worth it, he won't pay him. I but mean, he's not that old. I mean, he's 30 years old. We there's five years left. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, I'm worried that he's not mobile enough for the system. We do have. I mean, I think the O line compensates for that. I would hope. With the team that's built, I think a guy like Matt Stafford, if he's healthy, I think that puts us right back in the Super Bowl talk. You talked a long time about quarterbacks when I tried to box you out of them. Yeah, I, I had some stuff to say there. Uh, other team needs, I got wide receiver, pass rush, corner. We've been talking about pass rush for years. Um, and T.Y. needs help on the wide receiver section of the team. Um Free agency or uh, the draft's been tough for wide receivers, but this is a very deep wide receiver draft. Um, so we'll see what they do there. I can see that being that 13th pick, but that's a big risk. I mean, we've seen Philip Dorsett fail. Uh, Gonzalez, the white guy from uh, Ohio State. I, I think it'd be cool if they got a guy like A.J. Green. What do you think about A.J. Green? I like A.J. Green. He's 30 also. Uh, I don't know that... If I could make A.J. Green and T.Y. Hilton both have 16-game seasons one time at the same time, I would sign them both to a two-year deal or three-year deal. Knowing that one of those years in that contract, I had two, two receivers. My concern is what happens when you have AJ green and T Y Hilton and they're both hurt in week five because they both get hurt in week five. Yeah. It'd be rough. Yeah. I, I don't know if I like that take at first. I think I did, but now the more that I think about that, I think AJ green is a solution. If something happens to T Y Hilton or for, you know, I kind of, nobody, nobody talks about this because it's not a thing, but if T Y Hilton wants out, if he wants traded, if he, God forbid broke a bone that put him out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think T.Y. Hilton's probably going to finish his career in Indianapolis. Yeah. And 
as long as he's there, I don't think I'd want a guy like AJ Green. Um, I mean, they need weapons. The reason I, mean, I brought up I AJ it, Green I get is, it, but I think there's better weapons. The reason I bring up AJ Green is just because he's kind of in a limbo situation there in uh, Cincy. I could see him wanting to get out. But going back to the injuries, I mean, I think a guy like Chris Ballard, I got to think if a player's healthy when you interview him, you've got to assume he's going to be what he's been. You can't. But AJ Green's been hurt. But if he cut, if you trade for him and he's hundred percent healthy and you trade for him, you've got to assume he's going to be healthy. I mean, you could miss out if you, you could hurt yourself too, but you can't predict an injury. Regardless of whether or not I agree with AJ Green, I a hundred percent agree that a wide receiver is needed. I don't know that a draft. I, I think we're going to need a free agent wide receiver. I should say that. I don't think there's a wide receiver in the draft other than those elite prospects. I mean, we got to talk about Ruggs and Judy and I mean, we, we got to talk about the top, the cream of the crop or free agency. Yeah. And I think one of those receivers will be there at 13 for the Colts. It's just whether or not it just depends how his board falls. Um, and I've got pass rusher. I mean, that's just, that's tough. I mean, but you got you look at the playoffs this year. All the teams that were the, in the final four had really good pass rushers. Um, so it's a key part of the team. I think there's guys out there like Jadavian Clowney, Robert Quinn. Yeah, all free agents. Yeah. But then again, if you know a guy like Robert Quinn, if he wants a giant contract, Bauer's not going to give it to him. So if you're expecting a splash, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, lean on it too much. Last bit on the Colts. I'm going to cut you off. You mentioned a lot of other players that could be signed in free agency. I think we are both on the same page that free agency is going to be a key part of what Indianapolis does this off season. Indianapolis has their own free agents. So knowing we've got our own guys to sign and there are other guys out there that need to fill a need or we, we should be looking to, to fill a need. How do you see free agency playing out in Indianapolis? You talk about our guys. I'm talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't word that question correctly. Knowing that we have our own guys that need new contracts, how does that mesh with? Yeah, I did a bad job asking the question, but luckily you know what I meant. Yeah, um, I mean, some of the notable names are Costanzo, Funchess, who we just signed to a one-year contract, didn't play, but like one or two quarters. Sheard, Ebron, Vinatieri, and McLaughlin. Ebron's gone. Yeah. He needs to be gone. Uh, I think he is gone. I think they they made a statement about did it. Did they? Okay. I, I think it was a while ago. I don't. I, I guess I wouldn't promise it, but I think he's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's done. Um, you, Jack Doyle's more sp- superior tight end, um, just in every aspect. So they, he's not needed on the team. He's going to want a lot of money. Um, I think you got to take McLaughlin over Vinny. Vinatieri, yeah. I think's done. Yeah, this McGo- is the end of Adam Vinatieri. McLaughlin looked good. You've got to make sure you keep him. He was good. You can't let him walk out the door. What you a could- bummer! I think this is the first time we've said it. I think my one of my very my first episode ever, episode one, was all about Adam Vinatieri. Was it? Yeah, it was number one. Yeah, I remember we've talked about him before. Man, I know we've talked, but this is the first time we've said it's over. Like now we're done. I mean, if he makes some kicks this season, we're a playoff team. Yeah. So. Pretty rough. McLaughlin did look good though, and then um, Ebron's gone. I, God, you feel bad. They had they signed Funches for fifteen million. And he played two quarters. Do you give him another chance to come back? 
It's kind of a weird one. He's not very old. I'd pay him again another yeah. year. One more. See what he wants. Yep. And then Costanza uh, is weird for me because I, I don't think – so the Colts have built arguably the best O-line in the league. So part of you wants to keep Costanza there just to keep the the chemistry, but I don't know. He, he might be one of the weaker parts of that offensive line, and you might be able to upgrade that position. If I should, I don't know enough about the offensive line players in the draft. I hate to admit that. Me either. Yeah. If if there's an early offensive line player, not a Quentin Nelson. I'm not saying that. A couple of years ago, Anthony Costanzo was the best offensive lineman on the team. Yeah. That was a problem. Now he's the he's the worst. Second, third. Yeah. I, I think he's the worst offensive lineman on the line, and that's that's okay. That's good. I don't yeah. mean that to disrespect him. I like having Costanzo as the worst blocker on my line. I'm totally cool with that. So, if in the draft, if in those, that what's it, 14? 13. 13. If pick 13 is an offensive lineman, that's the end of Anthony Costanzo. Sure. The problem is we've done such a good job of building this O-line, but it's not a deep O-line. So, if one of these guys gets hurt, we don't have anybody back there to take their spot. So, part of me would say keep them. And then if you still get somebody in the draft, let them compete. But it's tough. Um, imagine if we got like a uh, who's the Eagles left tackle? That big dude. He's like six foot eight. Uh, Peterson. Uh, I think his name his last name is Peterson. But if we got a like if we could get like an elite left tackle, that offensive line would be probably one of the greatest of all time. Last year the Colts finished seven and nine projected AFC champions seven and nine what happens what's the best case and the worst case scenario for 2020 best case scenario is Super Bowl okay so do you mean that or do you say that because that's actually literally the best case scenario available that's the best case scenario so the the team's built right okay I mean if like I said, if Vinatieri makes some kicks last year, we're in the playoffs. Who knows what happens then? I mean, we beat the Chiefs. But that's just well, <laughs> we could talk about this for another twenty minutes. Yeah, we could. But I really, the way the team's built, if they get, you know, if they figure out the quarterback, the weapons, if they just get a couple extra pieces, and everybody stays healthy, they're a Super Bowl team. Do I think it'll happen? No. If Jacoby is the quarterback in twenty twenty, is there a chance to be a Super Bowl team? Yes. What's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is like seven and nine, what they were this year. I think the way I deal with that, I can live. I think the way this year shook out, it went as bad as it possibly could. I mean, they increased tickets. They increased ticket sales prices, season ticket sales prices. Just so you know, after a seven and nine win, did they really? Yeah, it wasn't much, but it was enough to like, you know. (laughs) Come on, guys. (laughs) There you have it. Huddle up. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.